Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Oh, why don't, why don't you, why don't you straighten up and fly right oh, for a change? Oh, well, I'll tell you, you start out complaining. That's absolutely, this is intolerable. The email Good morning, program, Mark. How are you today? The email program wasn't working yesterday, so 25 emails came in. So what was Mr. Grumpy Pants saying today? I don't know. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not reading all these emails. They're too long and irrelevant at this point. <laughs> right, all right. Right, all right. Yeah, that's right. what I heard you say. All right. Yes. Hey, it'll... you lost. You lost your two initiatives yesterday. <laughs> what? The people know the governor needs to be reined in. Oh, the ballot questions. Yes. Yeah, they both won. Not by a ton, but Actually, they both won. Actually, all four won. of them won. Yep. Yes. Every, every... Is that normal that people would generally vote for things if they get so far to the ballot, people vote for them? Plus, I mean, they were good, you know, referenda to start with. Well, I think that they, uh, you know, I, I wasn't certain about the fire company bar because I understand they can already borrow like that. And somebody said it was, you know, um, oh, I forget what it was. Well, I think some programs must bar them from borrowing. It well, that, they obviously bar. need to be stopped. The fire companies certainly need to be able to obtain the equipment they need. Anyhow, that was, uh, what was the third one? I forget. That oh, was, make this. Oh, the non-discrimination. Constitution, constitutions match right. up federal and state. Right. In terms and that of makes sense, Non-discrimination. Really. It makes sense. They should be standard. And the votes were close on the referenda that relate to controlling the governor, but they both passed. So uh, that will become law in some fashion in the years ahead. That should so. tell the governor something. You know, maybe you, well, you overreached. Well, and I think I think that's a great conversation to have. You know, now that some of this is winding down, some of the mitigation is winding down, I think we have to go back and look at, uh, you know, how poorly Pennsylvania performed in terms of nursing homes, how well Pennsylvania performed in terms of, of conducting school in-person classes safely without spreading COVID-19, how poorly uh, some other states did. I mean, there are certainly states that did worse than us, and there are states that did better than us. You were just saying yesterday that te- uh, Florida didn't have Texas. many restrictions. And I love this. You know, if you remember, Texas, well. the, the headline this morning is Texas report zero COVID cases two months after Biden slammed their Neanderthal thinking. <laughs> and he has yet to apologize. But Texas has a lot to celebrate this week after reaching zero COVID deaths for the first time since the pandemic began. Today, Texas reported no deaths, the only time that's happened since data was tracked in March 2020, said the Republican governor, Greg Abbott. Um, the fewest COVID cases in over 13 months, the lowest seven-day COVID positivity rate, the lowest COVID hospitalization in 11 months. And guess what? They're wide open. And so what happened to all this doom and gloom, these people on <laughs> CNN and MSNBC? Oh, what, what, said, what well, did people say about them? Well, well yeah, here, he here's some quotes. The Washington was... Post said he's endangering 
protecting the health of Texas and beyond. Um, let's see, who is this? Uh, while everyone is eager for a break from restrictions, Mr. Abbott's decision is premature and reckless. The Washington Post wrote, the governor's decision may cheer those feeling rebellious, fatigued, and impatient with the year-long pandemic restrictions, but the results of opening up too soon will be viral spread and more suffering. Not. Didn't happen. Washington Post columnist Jennifer Rubin agreed, tweeting, Abbott is going to kill more Texans. He didn't. MSNBC anchor Stephanie Rule similarly wondered on air if states like Texas should face consequences for not following the CDC. Should they get access to, let's say, emergency federal help if they end up with a spike in cases or hospitalizations down the road? And Rule's colleague, Joy Reed, rather, pushed a racial component suggesting minorities don't matter in states like Texas. Right. And guess what? Texas was open, and Texas is doing better. Right, right. Well, I mean, they and have. Joe Biden has yet to apologize for saying that <laughs> governor, they were governor's Neanderthals. Neanderthals. I don't think Biden apologizes either. Is that sort of a presidential thing? President Trump would never apologize for all of his many, many misstatements either. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so Joe Biden, yeah, he probably should reel it back. I think uh, Texas, of course, has twice the deaths that Pennsylvania does, but way fewer than, or way more than twice the population. So per capita, their death rate is lower than Pennsylvania's. But Texas isn't, you know, there are certainly other states that had a lot of restrictions that did better than Texas, and Texas and states that had a lot of restrictions that did worse than Texas. So I, I think it's just a little bit more than just are your businesses shut down. I think it's fairly complicated. But, you know, the but here's the bottom line. If you're Texas, you're free to do absolutely whatever you want. And that's what he did. That's what he chose. You know, the deaths that occurred, you know, but he did are it, under his watch. What, the ones what, that what he also did is he relied on his citizens to use open. common sense. Right. Instead of mandating all this stuff, he suggested to his citizens that they follow the guidelines, they follow the science. And incidentally, they're not doing that now in the House. There was a congressman on this morning who yesterday removed his mask, and Nancy Pelosi wants to fine him $500. They have a $500 fine for taking your mask off in the, in the House of Representatives. If you're unvaccinated or anybody. Anybody. Oh, and $2,500 fine for the second offense. All right, well. and the Republicans are going to take their masks off because the science now says if you're in a room where people have been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. You would agree that is the current if science. If you're unvaccinated, you should, though. If you're unvaccinated. You should still wear a mask. And who are you protecting if you're unvaccinated and you wear a mask and you're a room, in a room full of vaccinated people? Same person. Who are you protecting? Same person you've always been protecting. Other people near you. Whether but how or not are you protecting them if they've been vaccinated and you're not? Well, the goal is to stop the spread among everybody, among vaccinated and unvaccinated people. Right. So you're surrounded by people, some of whom have been vaccinated, some of whom have been unvaccinated. So if you are unvaccinated and get the disease, you become very contagious. But if you wear a mask, you don't spread it to But isn't as that many a risk people. that you're assuming on your own? In other words, if you choose not to be vaccinated, which I think is stupid, to be honest with you, I understand that some people are vac- don't want to get it done, and that's okay, I guess. I just think it's kind of wrongheaded. Okay. I, I don't want to call them but Neanderthal the thinkers. Well, I mean, you're in a room full of people. They're vaccinated. You're not. Mm-hmm. What's going? To, what's the worst possible outcome of that? You could give them the disease. How? If I don't have it. 
Well, if you don't have it, if you're tested and you don't have it. And well, if then, I, how can I give them the disease if they're vaccinated? I thought that was the whole point of the vaccination. As you, as we've gone over probably 35 times on the show, the vaccine doesn't prevent you no, from getting the disease. But it, it's going to be very, very mild if you do get it. Right. You don't get hospitalized or die. But you can still get it. And plus, the you know, the dilemma comes that you can still spread it to people who aren't vaccinated. Now, we do know now, as of some results last Friday of different studies, not only if you are vaccinated, do you not get the diseases badly, which is great. You also aren't as contagious as unvaccinated people. In other words, the whole case is milder across the board, including its contagiousness if you're vaccinated. So you don't spread it to as many people as an unvaccinated so Roughly, it's does. the equivalent of the common cold. I wouldn't be able to say that. No, I don't know about that. I'm just telling you what you know what some of the latest findings are and so on. All right, we have to start the show. Let's do that. Let's get All this right. officially underway. We got our first call already. It looks like one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our toll free line. Give us a buzz. Uh, we're starting out talking about the coronavirus, but there's other things in the news we can discuss. We do have the Pennsylvania spring primary election is behind us, and probably the top race in the region was the Judge Hackenberg race. So she gets the number on the Republican side, and boy, ultra-close race. We just couldn't call it till the very end uh, last night, uh, but uh, Brian Kerstetter gets the Republican nomination. Oh, in the Democratic nomination. Oh, Democrat, thank you. In unofficial results, boy, and that's where you get that unofficial word really means a lot, because uh, tabulations can swing votes. You know, maybe the, he had a computer glitch or something along that line. So we can talk about the spring primary election. We can talk about coronavirus uh, trends. Uh, Texas had zero Zero deaths reported over the weekend, so that is just uh, great uh, for them. Uh, I don't know how many deaths they've had overall, but uh, probably twice as many as Pennsylvania. But they have far more people, so I think it's you know to compare uh, deaths, you know, overall is probably it's probably a little bit different. Plus, uh, it is complicated, so we 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 can talk about that if you so choose. You can send us a text at seven zero two three six. Got to include the OTM keyword in it when you send it. You can do as four people have done it. We haven't had a chance to read these because our email was busted yesterday, but now it's fixed. And uh, we'll try to get to those emails as time goes on. Cindy is waiting. Good morning. You're on the mark, Cindy. Thanks for calling in. Gracious good morning to you, gentlemen. First, let me say thank you to all the people who worked the polls yesterday. It is a very long day, and I appreciate all your efforts. And I think we ought to consider those. So many people are enthusiastic about $15 an hour. Maybe we ought to rethink how much they're compensated because they're not being paid $15 an hour to sit there for 12 or 15 hours. Maybe $15 total. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Like jury duty, you know, you get, what, $7, $9 for the entire day? I remember when I was called up, this young woman sitting next to me said, Nine dollars or whatever it was, I think it was seven dollars when we were there. Seven dollars won't even pay my babysitter to have watched my children. Well, I don't think we should ask people to lose money that way to serve on a jury. So I think we need to rethink that compensation plan. It, for it's jury. your citizen duty. You should volunteer. You should pay to have the chance to do it. Well, I have no problem because I don't have children dependent upon me. But do we really expect parents to pay babysitters to meet this obligation? Is that really fair to to them? I don't think so. Um, Anyway, what I called about was a very interesting article I read uh, the other day in the paper about election officials and that there is no formal system for training them. 
which really shocked me that it's kind of a la carte and ad lib. Uh, and no wonder we see these little misadventures go mm-hmm. on because there's no consistent form for training people. In fact, they may have no training. And it talked about how here in Pennsylvania there were a large number of brand-new people. The other people had stepped down, and so they were winging it, which, you know, I think that's worrisome. I think our elections are critical, and we should have a system in place that they all receive the same training. And if I move from, as I have, from, let's say, Sealands Grove to State College, it should be the same experience walking in there to vote as it is here, as it is in Philadelphia, right? There shouldn't be a whole lot of ad-libbing and whatever you want to do and going on. So I propose that the state create an online training, the software is already readily available in many forms, to teach people how to work the polls. Not just the election officials and the head of the uh, elections in the county, but also the individual workers. Because you do this for one day, then you come back a year or two later, right? And you don't remember what all the rules and regulations were for doing that. It's not reasonable to expect it. I mean, they don't even have this written down in a pamphlet of all the rules to give you. That's how winging it we're doing, which I think is totally unacceptable. So I urge that they create an online system with videos or... Or, uh, and with questions, and at the end you take a little post-test, did you get all the information? And if not, redirects you to the part that you got wrong so that you can review it again, so that we have consistency, so that everybody knows what they're doing. We don't hear these stories about the wrong ballots given to people. I thought that was interesting. They changed the color, and so that confused the election workers. Actually, Why that that you? actually happened to me in Shemokin Dam. I was number four in the Republican ballot yesterday, or in the Republican uh, list. And when I got down to vote, I looked at this ballot, and there's no, no names on it that I'm aware of. And then I looked and I saw it said Democrat, and I pointed out that I'd been given the wrong ballot. And there were four other people who were in there, three other people who were in there voting at the time, and they all we all had to have our ballots taken back, the Democratic ballots and Republican ballots given to us. But they caught that fairly early. I mean, we caught that within. Well, I was the fourth person. Well, it I caught popped it. up at a bunch of places. Yeah, in Snyder County. Well, and, I, and I'm sorry. I, I had a gentleman who was voting when I was voting point out to them. Now I was looking for the constitutional amendments, right? But a lot of people might have shown up and not even given it a whole lot of thought, and nobody said, be sure you turn it over, there's stuff on both sides. Right? Nobody said that. Well, there was and a there was at Shemokin Dam, uh, the gentleman who apparently was running the place, he was telling people when I was there, there's a, there's material on the back of the ballot. Don't forget to turn the ballot over. Oh, okay. Right. Right. So, I mean, there's – and I'm not, I'm not in, accusing anyone of chicanery. I don't think those people that made that mistake at our polling place were up to nonsense. Oh, no. I, not at I all. Just, not at all. Uh, Right. I think it would be appropriate. This would be a good investment of tax dollars because it addresses the issue. Those of us who wonder if there's misconduct or errors going on, this is a way. Training is a way to address that issue. And if and now that we see a lot of turnover in the officials that are running it and the poll workers, this makes it so much easier to make sure everybody's up to snuff, right? You can get online whenever it's convenient for you, 
and you can retrain on all of this information so you show up and you're on top of it. I think it would be an excellent use of tax dollars to do this. But and then require that for you to work at the polls, you have to have run that uh, training. You have to mm-hmm. have done it. Could the day be broken in half, have some group work till noon and others work from noon to 9 p.m.? I think that's a good suggestion, Mark. And how it's, about $100? I've done it. It is brutal to be there. It is not, it's just you vacillate between madness and boredom. It, you're stuck in this <laughs> space, whatever the space might be, for hours and hours and hours. You can't use a cell phone. You can't communicate you know, with your family. Well, that's the rule at our place. Oh, my God. So um, I just think that it, we would be better off. We would be, this would be a good use of our tax dollars to put in place a training program. What about and I also think we ought to rethink how much we pay people to Well, how about $100 cash bill to whomever does an election half day? I think that's fair. I, I think, think so. the county commissioners would probably have a stroke if you proposed that. Why? Well, they have to pay it. Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> who wants to, who, well, you know, I, th- I have a feeling we're going to run into a big dilemma where you're going to run out of right. these eager beaver oh, civic-minded volunteers. That, uh, I, I can remember a f- uh, last couple election cycles, I get a call from the county saying, is there anyone you know of or can you recommend anybody who might be willing to work the polls? And I actually did recommend some people who did it for a while, but then, you mm-hmm. know, I think they, they got tired and worn out and they stopped doing it. And so a lot of the times now you'll find people who aren't from that precinct or aren't from that ward or whatever working the polls simply because they haven't been able to find enough people in that location oh, to okay, do the so job. They have two in one precinct and none in another. All right, thank you so much, Cindy. Well, so we got to up to pay. I, did it, I, I didn't feel like I was adequately informed about my responsibilities, and it was a very, um, it was a very tense experience for me because of the lack of training, the inability mm-hmm. to review the information, right? This this kind of winging it sort of thing. Very disturbing to me. And while we had been assured that there would be support, that support never came. So here we all were, blundering along blind. Thank God it wasn't, you know, a well, presidential election where the fit hits the shan. And, whoever determined you know, that they should change the colors of the ballots this year and then apparently not make sure everybody was on the same page with that certainly should have had it have to rethink it. But it does make sense when you stop to think about it. In the past, it's been blue for Republican ballots, red for Democrat. Well, you know, everybody says red states are Republican, blue states are Democrat. So it makes sense to make that change. But... <laughs> <laughs> but but no. they should have. Uh, people weren't made aware of it, apparently. All right. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thanks, Thanks for checking God. in. All right. Have 1-800-795-9565. Where we got to up the training, utilize best practices in every county in Pennsylvania. We can do the online training now with online or video, or you can bring folks in and have them watch a video presentation. They can all take it at a different time. It doesn't even have to be all at the same time. And uh, you got to get that pay up to really where, where it's really not so much worth it, but it really compensates you for some of the expenses you might have incurred, and break the day in half. So uh, Lawrence's uh, worthless suggestions are out there. What's your view on those? 1-800-795-9565. Joe and I talked about coronavirus. He loves to compare apples and oranges. He's so glad. Not that doing that. Here's the. You want the real skinny? When we come back, All we right. got the real skinny <laughs> on comparing Pennsylvania's deaths to Texas. to Texas deaths. Okay. How many Texas deaths have there been? 
I'm not going to tell you until we come back. All right. Because I want to tell you the whole thing. Because you still don't know. All right. I do know. I have it right here. I bet you do. 1 800 795 Call us, please. This program is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is there promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Got the data. I've got the data. I've got the data. Got you want to? You want to hear it? <laughs> this is the Go Go's. I think. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they went went. It is not. All right. Texas had fifty-one thousand one hundred eighty deaths. Pennsylvania twenty-six thousand nine hundred and twenty-seven. Told you twice as many. Texas has twenty-nine million residents. Pennsylvania has twelve point eight. All right. So, so three times as many people as us. Well, almost three times as many people. Right. Now, yeah, now 36 million would be three times as many. They have two, about two and a half times our population, but they have had only oh, twi- less than twice our deaths. Less than twice our deaths. Okay, so his death rate, or Governor Abbott, I should say, his death rate is proportionally less than Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania was shut down and Texas was opened up. Right. Is that so, all there is to it? I mean, is there anything else? Uh, I, I know Texas has a hard, hard had a hard winter. Is there anything else to it, or is this all there is? You know, is uh, did people enjoy what do we say voluntary compliance with mitigation efforts? You know, not being shut down, or did a lot of people visit Texas and then like Florida had a lot of people that were tourists, so Florida's numbers are lower because a lot of people went down there, got the disease, and then went home. So you know. You have that factor there, but Texas doesn't have a huge tourist industry. No, but look at look at people like Joy Reid. She said there is a term called necropolitics, which is essentially the politics of who gets to live and who gets to die. And these states, what they have in common is that they have structures which say that the black and brown lives matter less. And so all that matters is that black and brown people get their, their behinds into the factory and make me my steaks, make me my stuff, and get there and do my nails, work, and get back to work now and do the things that I, the comfortable, affluent person, need. Isn't that what we're seeing in states like Texas? She ought to be ashamed of herself. What? Wait, wait, wait. Who said that? Stephanie Rule, uh, I'm sorry, Joy Reid on MSNBC. Joy Reid. And And so all that matters is that black and brown people get their behinds into the factory and make me my steaks, make me my stuff, and get there and do my nails, work, get back to work now, and do the things that I, the comfortable, affluent person, need. Isn't that what we're seeing in states like Texas? Okay, so you're switching to racial issues in the U.S. That's what they made it. They made it a racial issue. The left made it a racial issue that the governor of Texas is trying to get... I'm a Democrat. I'm on the left. I I didn't say COVID was a racial issue. 
BC. Would you concede they're on the left? Oh, well, well, sure, but they are not the left. That's just like saying that President Trump is the right. Do you love and admire him and say he was the best leader we ever had? And then MSNBC contributor on the same panel. You won't answer. You must. On the same panel, Jason Johnson of MSNBC nodded in agreement before adding the Hunger Games would be more humane. All right. So, all right. So what are we talking about here? Uh, Pennsylvania. Well, you tell me what we're talking about here. Well, we're talking about the fact that the media all were frothing at the mouth over Governor Abbott opening up. (laughs) And now (laughs) he's got no deaths and the lowest COVID case count. Uh, that he's ever had. Well, no uh, deaths. Pennsylvania and New York and California are not enjoying that kind of success, even though they have closed down their states far more rigidly than Texas was closed well, down. Well, let's start at the beginning. He hasn't had no deaths. He's had 51,000 deaths. I didn't say no deaths this past week. Okay, in the past weekend. So uh, numbers are always down. You know, it certainly is possible that uh, people died and it hasn't been tabulated yet. So to say that they've had no deaths and to say that his death toll of 51,000 people is something to be proud of, Joe. I think you got to really look but at yourself there. He's doing there, better. Really. He's doing better than people who shut down. That's the point. You know, Vanity Fair went bold with its headline, Republican governors celebrate COVID anniversary with bold plan to kill another 500,000 Americans. <laughs> you well, don't find this excessive and stupid and politically motivated? Well, uh, look, it's, it's a complicated issue. I, I think the headline is very simple and probably needs to be rewritten to, be, to reflect what is a complex issue. Is it that simple, Joe? What are the other factors, of course, per capita, Texas has a lower death rate than Pennsylvania, right? And fewer, far fewer mitigation rules, correct? Right, that's All right. correct. What are the many other factors that are associated with that? Well, what do you think they would be? What do you think that Texas has learned that Pennsylvania, California, New York, New Jersey haven't learned? Well, Texas had a lot of voluntary compliance with rules. It wasn't mandated, but there was a lot of but voluntary compliance. But here it was compliance. mandated. So wouldn't mandated compliance be better than voluntary compliance? Is Texas mostly urban or suburban or rural? Is well, that a factor? There are a lot of big cities in Texas, you know, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth. You've heard of them, I'm sure. That doesn't at all whatsoever answer my questions. There's cities in Pennsylvania, but, what does that but have we're to mostly do with, what rural. What does that have to do with it? Well, because in rural areas, you have far less spread. Okay. So, in other words, it's not the governor's... In other words, you don't know. WKOK Sunday. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board to KOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me. Present. And, and he's boning up on his Texas uh, statistics now. So now he's informed finally. He's ready to make his supposition with even greater clarity. And so we invite you to contact us. So we are talking about COVID-19. One of our good listeners says, Joe, yeah, maybe there were zero deaths on Sunday, but there were 23 deaths in Texas on Monday, so that's hardly anything to go bragging about. Yeah, we only killed 23 people. How many were in Pennsylvania? Over the weekend, uh, I think it was 30-some over three days. 
So, hey, we might be worse. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it isn't just as simple as say, okay, death. How many Well, deaths? you asked me yes. about rural versus urban, and Texas is more urban than Pennsylvania. 84.7% of Texas's residents live in urban areas. Only 79% of Pennsylvania's residents That's live in urban areas. significantly more urban-oriented than and we And you are. said that in suburban areas there was less spread, so... Pennsylvania's no, doing even areas rural areas, less. right? Pennsylvania's doing even worse than you thought. Rural areas, disproportionately worse. Yes, so Governor Wolf needs to be uh, uh, recalled. Expired. Does the word recall? His term needs to be expired. <laughs> All right, welcome aboard, everybody. It's the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark of what we do in the next hour is what we're doing right now. We talk objectively and with common sense uh, arguments on both sides of important issues, and so we invite you to weigh in on this. We're talking about whether Texas did better than. And Pennsylvania when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, per capita, they had fewer deaths. Now, they had more deaths overall, 51,000-something, Joe said. But, of course, they have many more people. Then. They have three times as many people as Pennsylvania, and they are more urbanized. So they had, uh, But they had far fewer restrictions. So was it worth having all the restrictions in Pennsylvania? Lots of folks have made the argument for a long time that uh, the answer to that is a big fat no, that we should not have as many restrictions. So uh, uh, Second-guessing governors has become a full-time job, so we are enjoying that on a part-time basis here on WKOK's On the Mark program. Uh, we also are talking about the Pennsylvania spring primary election. We talked about the fact that there was a tricky ballot uh, in Snyder County that had uh, answer had uh, ballot questions on the back of the ballot page. Am I wording that correctly, Joe? Yes, they okay. were on the back right. of the ballot uh, page. One of our listeners texted me and said, oh my gosh, I didn't vote on the ballot questions. I did not realize that where they were. I forgot all about them. So um, uh, we can talk about that. Of course, the outcome of the election, uh, I had argued against the two first two referenda. Joe argued for them, and more voters agreed with Joe by a pretty, not a substantial margin, but it's certainly a definitive yes vote for the referenda in Pennsylvania. All right, we got four calls coming in, and I got to do news headlines, so let's get on with it. Pennsylvania spring primary election went smooth for the most part, according to state and local leaders. Pennsylvania's acting Secretary of State Veronica de Graffenrud reported that with fair weather, the no-excuse mail-in voting remained popular, and many people who wished to go to the polls did so. Some election problems were reported in Pennsylvania and Luzerne County. Some Republican voters were greeted with a welcome screen that said they were Democrats. In Snyder County and several precincts, Republican voters were handed Democratic ballots, plus others. I didn't realize I'm going to add this parenthetically. It's not part of the news story that didn't realize that there were ballot questions on the back of the ballot. In Lancaster County, some ballots were misprinted. Uh, in other words, the three pages were labeled 132 instead of 123, which, of course, the computer would want to read them incorrectly, so that was rectified. But winners, Lori Hackenberg easily won the GOP nomination for judge in the 17th District. She issued a printed statement afterwards saying, quote, I do not take the voters of the 17th Judicial District for granted. I will be working hard to earn their continued support, unquote. In unofficial results, she fell short by about 50 votes, and Brian Kerstetter had more votes on the Democratic ballot, and his name may appear on the fall ballot. The 17th Judicial District is Union in Snyder County. 
Uh, some other headlines very briefly here. COVID-19 uh, numbers for Pennsylvania. There is another death in uh, Northumberland County because of COVID-19. 353 people have died in Northumberland County. In case Joe can't do the math and has said that's uh, 1% of 1% of the population of Northumberland County. Montour County remains with a total of 66 deaths. In Pennsylvania, 38 deaths reported in one day for a total of 26,000 people have died in Pennsylvania. Here you go. This is Pennsylvania death toll so far, 26,871. So it is literally about half of Texas's. Uh, overall, the state says there were 1,700 new cases, 49% of the states vaccinated, and hospitalizations are down. Philadelphia in Inquirer says 26,927 Pennsylvanians have died to date. How many? 26,927. Oh, okay. So well, they probably have people. a real-time count. This is a summary of, uh, as of noon yesterday, totaling up the day before's total. Right. So it was noon on Tuesday, so it was Monday's total. They probably have a real count. Yeah, if you watch the COVID-19 dashboard in the state, it's always marching forward uh, beyond what the, the printed number is. Finally, one other note briefly here. President Biden was joking right before he tried to run over a journalist. <laughs> All right, so he didn't actually try to. But he was driving the new Ford F-150 Lightning. Now, there was a Lightning in years past, ultra-fast truck, but this is a new one. It's all electric. The Ford plant in Michigan Tuesday is where Biden drove a group of pool reporters, many of whom asked him how he liked the truck he was driving. However, one reporter was heard asking about the Middle East crisis, so the president uh, said... Um, I'm not going to answer that unless you go stand in front of the car as I step on it. <laughs> if that was President Donald Trump, they'd be saying, well, he's a threat to the <laughs> nation. This is didn't, terrible. Didn't Ronald Reagan used to joke with reporters like things like that? Well, I, everybody does, Sit but down. with Ronald Come Reagan on. did it. You can stop standing <laughs> up every time I say that name. Anyway, uh, he says it turned out that he wasn't going to run over the reporter. He said he's only teasing. I think he should be impeached. This is a man's obviously a danger to our society, <laughs> danger to our democracy. <laughs> We don't have a democracy. One of our listeners says, well, he is an old man driving a truck. I'm not sure that's <laughs> safe. Are, are you okay with that? That's from my lovely bride. All right. All right who hates my slow driving all over. All right. We got callers ready. Uh, we'll start out with Mike. You're on the mark. Go right ahead. Yeah, I want to talk about COVID. But, Joe, you're right. Biden is a danger. I mean, right now he's uh, the Obama third term, and he's uh, trying to form an alliance with Iran to, you know, to, to basically have uh, these two countries be in control of the Middle East. And let's face it, Iran's never going to give up their desire to control that. Now, as far as COVID is concerned, you're talking a lot about deaths here, there, and everywhere. Over the weekend, I go to two sporting events. One was a high school softball game. Uh, when I got there, it was uh, pretty much uh, over, by the way, and I was the only fan wearing a mask. The other was a field hockey match, and the great majority of the people there we're not wearing a mask. So it, it seems like everything looks normal here in the Bloomsburg area. I, uh, you know, I'm not so sure we're all that concerned about the, the numbers in Texas or, or anywhere else, but everything seems to be normal here. And I have a funny feeling that a lot of this talk about the uh, deaths right now is a lot of distraction to what's actually happening. And the, the two questions I have, and they are related to COVID, Last month, we apprehended 178,000 people at our southern border, 178,000, and many of them were let in. Tens of thousands would be relocated to the company or into the country. And if 178,000 got in uh, by being apprehended, how many snuck in? 
Now, the other uh, question I have here before I get to both of them is, it's my understanding that the people that are getting here are coming from all over the world. They're arriving in uh, Venezuela and Colombia and going through a torturous jungle that is so bad that even the uh, British government did pulled their troops out of there when they were doing training for jungle warfare. Once they get to Panama, the Panama, Panama, Panama authorities, which basically are their version of our border security, transport them through Panama. They take them to Costa Rica, where they're picked up, and they're brought to Nicaragua, and on and on and on, until they basically get here. So we see pictures on the media of people walking, 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 but the reality is that's not true. Now, here's my question. Who's paying all these governments that are supposedly poor to transport people across this vast, what, thousands of miles? Who's paying for them to be transported? And then secondly, once they get here, hundreds of thousands, uh, it's estimated it's going to be 2 million this year. Who is going to be paying for the 2 million immigrants that come here without jobs, without health care, without food, and closing? So to me, all of this COVID talk, is some of it's necessary, but it's just another one of these things that are being brought up to distract us from what's happening at the southern border. Well, you make a good point. Yeah, I, th- I think in, in a way that's gone off the front burner, but it's still very much a crisis. Of course, the president's talking about the things he wants to talk about. But distractions in the bu- eye of the beholder. You know, I could I could talk about nice weather all day long, but guess what? You'd turn your attention to that which you wish to. So you focus on that which you feel is important, and everybody else can focus on stuff that they think is important. So we, I just use that story about uh, President Biden running over a reporter as, a, as an aside. I always try to use something that's a little bit of a conversation starter. But he should have answered the question about the Middle East uh, crisis. You know, the U.S., I don't, I don't know what we could do, but we certainly may take action. Uh, we certainly are not a bit player in that area. We certainly haven't done anything as near as I can tell to resolve the crisis down there. If, if they have, they're not talking about it. So I don't well, know if it's COVID-19... It's a matter of days before we start becoming, you know, our media starts becoming critical of Israel for protecting himself. And if you remember back in the Biden administration, towards the end there, uh, he canceled. He, there was an arms shipment uh, of relief going to Israel, and he stopped it. And once he stopped that, that changed the whole landscape of the Middle East. And now Biden is really basically doing the same thing. Now he comes out and says, hey, they have to defend themselves. But you know, as long as Hamas and where does Hamas get their uh, rockets? They don't make them themselves. So once Israel can't take it anymore and they go ahead and they really crack down, we're going to be saying, hey, innocent people are killed. They're going to show pictures of uh, children in the street. And all of a sudden, Israel's going to have to stop. And once they stop, that's going to be viewed as a victory for Iran's proxy. Now, all right. We got it. Wait, that, what, 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 what? Okay. Stop, stop. We got to get, get another caller going. So I can't, we can't switch to another topic well, here. Thanks, though. Point. We appreciate your comments, Mike. And, and you made some good ones. Thank you. Yep. Good point. Okay, just so you know, Mark, my, my concern is the future of the country for my children and grandchildren. Okay. That's the one that I'm focused on. Well, I'm only concerned about me. So, all right, we got you, Mike. Well, that's Thank painfully you. evident. Yep. Thank <laughs> you, Dan. You're on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Hey, thank you very much. You know, the radio station, my favorite, right where you guys are now, where I started in this valley many, many years ago, uh, has made me disappointed. Calling itself a news station, and that all I hear are baseball scores and tennis scores and so forth. I I get upset with that, but worse than that, 
is Joe keeping score of how many died and cheering the people people on who had a few less. Joe, it's not a contest. It was people trying to do the best they could, be it the uh, uh, governor of Pennsylvania or New York State or Texas. They all tried to do the best they could. Some things turned out better. Some, we lost lives. And I believe what we should do, instead of putting up a big ball score, let's try to learn from what we didn't do right. I hate to tell you this, Sam, but you can't turn on the media without seeing the death score. It's been kept by every media outlet in the country, and you're castigating me. And MSNBC uh, oh, no, saying... No, no, no. I, I want to know the score. I just don't want to hear somebody say, hey, look at this. Their team played a lot better than ours. Well, you're always saying, Than, you're always saying we should learn from, from what uh, the best practices are. We should learn from our mistakes. And yet, when we find one state doing better than another, now you don't want us to point that out, especially since the Republican states are doing better than the Democratic states. I don't think that's true, Joe, but a lot of what you say is not true. It's not uh, <laughs> really checked out uh, through the... Uh, uh, the real problems that we have. Right, the real Why? the real MSNBC commentators who say that we're trying to kill black and brown people mm-hmm. by forcing them to go back to work. Yeah, that that's really those are really pr- productive comments for us. You didn't see any of that, huh? At all. I'm, I'm reporting what he does not see. I that, don't watch MSNBC. Right. I'm sorry, Joe. The blind eye you have toward the racial problem in this country, and in fact, <laughs> it's kind of also a female problem in this country. So the you believe why you... you have causes you to miss a lot of points. And so you believe that's true, that all that matters is getting black and brown people to get their behinds into the factory and you make me my stakes. That's all I believe. That's all I care yep, about that's black it. and brown people <laughs> getting <laughs> Come on, to work. That's what Joy Reid said. Hey, Than, that's what Joy Reid said on MSNBC. Do you agree with that or I'm not? I'm not Joy Reid. What you, she says is what she said. Do you agree I'm with it? Joy Reid. Do you agree with it or not? I, I saw it happening, and you saw it happening. You decided not to uh, acknowledge that black and brown people were being were, forced to work. You were saying we ought, should all be back to work. Right, all we of us, not just black and brown people. Work. All of us should have been back to work, not just black and brown people. No, but the people that had to go back first to carry the groceries to truck the product to so forth to make me my steaks make me my stuff get there and do my nails work get back to work now and do the things that i the comfortable affluent person need isn't that we're seeing what we're seeing in states like texas joy reed i saw i saw i kind of saw you doing that about your place of uh exercise for some reason you don't understand that here in pennsylvania we built this big outdoors for exercising and great to go in and be structured i actually uh, totally agree with that but to whine that i lost my place to to walk because the exercise joint is closed just doesn't strike me as a serious problem
All right, Than, we got to get going. But thank yes, you so you much for trying to put them straight. It doesn't really work. Wrong as always, I, I, but always welcome to your call, Than. Have a good day. <laughs> hey, thanks for talking with me. Right. Anytime, bro. All right, thank you so much. That leaves an open line, 1-800-795-9565. we got callers waiting. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We want right back to the phones to get Paul on the radio. Good morning, sir. Go right ahead. Good morning. Mark, something you'd be interested in. Earlier this year, uh, up the street, I have a man that works for a construction company in Coltmont, and they gave him a new truck to start driving to the, the job sites where he goes, and it's a beautiful white 350. Arr, arr, arr. And on the front of it, very proudly, has a plate that says SMC. And on the back of it is all uh, a, a redding bed with all these beautiful uh, locking compartments for the tools and equipment and everything. It's really a beautiful white Ford truck. So nice. uh, that's right here on the street up here in Salem Township near Berwick here. Uh, well, I, what I was calling about, I, I went to the uh, polls yesterday, and as you've heard, we had this situation where uh, the modules, when, when you go to, do, we, we do our voting on touchscreen uh, computers, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, every time the new uh, voter comes up, then they have to put a module thing in and set the computer up for, to, to log the next ballot, okay? And when it comes up, even though you're a Republican, it comes up and says you're a Democrat, okay? <laughs> so... This situation apparently went on all through the the county, and uh, the the people that run the elections did not have enough sense to fire up a computer before the election and put these new modules in and see and proofread what was going to be on the screens. And uh, I mean, I can't understand the you know uh, uh, what you know why they wouldn't have proofread this so that they knew what Tested. was happening then there was all kind of confusion earlier in the in the day by the time i got there the person said now this says democrat but when you go down through it it's going to be a republican ballot now uh, uh and then later when i got home and i turned on the news <coughs> listened about this this is done by dominion okay this is dominion again that cannot produce a good product okay for the people to use and the thing is is that when you're done and you cast your vote, it actually prints out a paper ballot down in, down in the bottom. There's a printer, and you pull that out, and you take it to the machine that then reads your ballot. And what it, you can look at the ballot and make sure that it's the names that you voted for. You can read down through it. It prints out you know, what you voted for on the touchscreen. 
but the, I think the whole thing is recorded by one of those square um, code things, okay. you know, whatever you call them. I, you know, it has little dots all over it, you know, that you can read with your phone and stuff. It's got one of those code things on there, and you have no idea that that code thing is actually reflecting what's on that on that thing of of the names. It could that code thing could be all Democrat. You have no way of knowing. Okay, you just have to trust that the Dominion people that even though they can't put the right name on the screen, that the what's in that code that it's actually those names that are printed on that paper. You have that's all. By faith, you're trusting the Dominion. And I, as far as I'm concerned, our state should spend whatever money is necessary and get rid of Dominion. They are not an, an election officials that cannot proofread what's going to be on my screen. They, they've got to go. I mean, they shouldn't even be in the office today, as far as I'm concerned. Well, they have to have to try to sort this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know that doesn't have, give they, you much uh, confidence. They, they actually had the Republican Party and the Democratic Party met with the judge yesterday, and I think all these machines are being impounded and so forth. If they have to do a different different checking and 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 so forth. But uh, when I was in, I lived in Massachusetts, and up there, we voted on a paper ballot, and that what you did was you actually connected a line by each name. Then that paper ballot went into a reader, and it was actually tabulating each one of those and recording each one of those, uh, and it wasn't being done by this code business that we're putting into the machines now and so forth. And I think that kind of a system like I had up in Massachusetts would be a lot better than this Dominion situation where that thing is reading some kind of a code that's on that printed page, All right. and I have no idea what the, what's in that code thing. And, of course, they can go back and check. They could. They still have the paper ballots, so they could go back and actually... All right, we got to go. But, <laughs> but that, that's the problem. That's all what right. we had here. All these precincts all got over, it. when they plugged in that module that was supposed to be giving you a, uh, a Republican ballot... The first screen that came up and said, "This is the official Democratic ballot." Okay, even though <laughs> right, the names we got you. I gotta were go. the Republican I gotta stop. names. So <laughs> stop, stop, they, stop, stop, stop. Thank you so okay, much. Bye-bye. No time. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, they do run tests ahead of time, but they don't catch many things. Uh, the, all these th- issues that popped up yesterday, you would think they'd pop up in, during testing in advance, but they did not. You would think. All right, Dan, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Before I start. That gentleman, Paul, there, basically that's how we vote here in Union County, the same idea. I had the right ballot doing everything, but you have to take by faith that once that machine reads it, that that says what you actually voted, how you actually voted. But anyway, this COVID crisis, you know, like was said several years ago by a Democrat, you do not let any crisis go to waste. So this so-called COVID crisis, the first thing they accomplished, they got rid of the hated President Trump. They got rid of him. That was the first thing they accomplished. The second thing they accomplished, they made people submissive to their own federal government. They're still trying it to this day. You must, you must wear a mask. 
you must do this, and you, or else you're a super spreader. And uh, I appreciate what Joe you said there. That that's basically unproven. In states that opened up, they they might have come out better off than states like Pennsylvania that we completely closed up. And I remember what I said over a year ago, and I haven't been proven wrong. Take the nursing homes, yeah, mitigate there, and don't you know? Be careful in them places. Don't let people go in and out and check. But other than that, we were we went completely haywire in our control of the people here in Pennsylvania, states that were run by Democrats. And, you know, so the, the left wing did not let any, any crisis go to waste. They used it against the people. And, you know, there, I know groups of people, I won't say who they are, but I see them around here they never mask. They never do any of the things that the government told them to do. And they don't have a they're not dead crisis, <laughs> right? They're not in dead their groups. So why why do you think even I know you go along with it, Mark? You push this crisis all you can do, but why do you feel you should do that? What mitigate a, a pandemic? Yeah, why do you keep pushing every day? It's so important to you media people. All the local stations do it. And I'm ashamed even the Christian radio broadcasters fall right in line pushing this crisis. Well, I think people just report the news. I don't really take a stake in what the governor does. I've tried to be critical. And uh, we don't just report the bad news. We've reported quite a bit uh, good news related to this. And as things ease, we report that. We also have an open mic where people who are uh, have varying viewpoints can call in and say the governor's all washed up. I felt he was all washed up. This idea of cutting off the media from access to records and Department of Health information, you know, that certainly was wrong. Uh, the uh, various aspects of the shutdown I didn't agree with, but uh, the news media just reports what there is and gives an open mic. There's been a vibrant debate in the country, so I, I don't I don't think the media has really uh, prevented anybody from participating in the discussion, and everybody's had their two cents. We'll give you the last word. you got another 30 seconds. Go right ahead. Well, they sure made the most out of what this so-called COVID-19 crisis and not nothing's proven. In fact, a lot of epidemiologists, just as credible as Fauci, they say, do not, do not take that co- shot. Do not take any of them. That's what they recommend. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do. In fact, it can do harm. So, there you have epidemiologists just as credible, maybe more credible than Fauci telling you not to take it. All right, so we got to go. Thank you so much. It's a matter of freedom of choice. Gotcha. That's Thank what you. it comes down to. Don't believe everything the left wing media 
tries to force down your throat. Well, no, or one, right no one forced down my throat the fact that the vaccines have an efficacy rate. I happen to believe the media reported that accurately, and I don't believe the uh, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and the scientists would deliberately try to kill us by telling us that the vaccine was good when it's ba- basically harmful. And the people who are afraid to take it, I think, really need to reevaluate their position and take a look at the rest I of us. I don't know, Joe. I have been second-guessing everyone in government, and they are all wrong. So all I right. Think- well, I'm I'm in my 70s. I took the vaccine. I've had no ill effects from it, and I don't have the coronavirus. And I'm glad to have the opportunity to see my grandchildren <laughs> again and to be able to go to the gym, even though Than doesn't think I should be allowed. No ill effects. Have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> well, other than this big <laughs> okay. wart growing right. in the top of my there head. There we go. Right. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, this is probably a record wait for one minute to be on the air, but Cindy did it, so go right ahead. Well, that's because I have such great news. Oh, I know good. there are people who feel like minorities and women don't have a chance in elections. And so I want to draw your attention to several uh, election results right now here in Pennsylvania. Number one, the mayor of Pittsburgh was a white man. I say was. He was an incumbent running for re-election, and he lost to, guess what, a black man. So at least in Pittsburgh, we know that they're not racist. They would choose a black uh, man over a white man. What did Papenfuse do? He had some In the judicial elections, more women ran for the seats than men, and two of the three, the women were the victors. So, uh, you know, while some things might have been true in the past, I believe that they have changed and continue to change, and we should focus on those positive things rather than dwelling constantly in what's been in the past. Well, I don't think anything really changed in terms of minority outcomes on the ballot. Uh, You know, we still had the same number of white individuals, basically the same number of black individuals running. Same thing that you, as we often do, we had some good outcomes in terms of minority outcomes, and we had some races where individuals who are part of minorities lost. So even though we had this, you know, big summer of tumult, I didn't see any changes. We, there weren't more minorities on the ballot that I detected. Well, the thing is, to me, it's racist to say that, okay, it's good that a black man won for the mayor of Pittsburgh. Was he the best qualified candidate? That's the fact irrelevant, that, Joe. No, it's not to irrelevant. The people <laughs> making this argument, to the people making this argument, the qualifications are only the color of that person's skin. That's the well, only I, issue they bring up when they bring this issue up. It's the color of people's skin. It's the decider. Well, that shouldn't be the case in this country. I agree. That should not be the case. Now, the black man who won has been a state representative for many years. Does that make him a better uh, mayor for Pittsburgh? I don't know. But (laughs) he beat the white guy. And there were four people on the ballot. She's talking Pittsburgh. You're talking Harrisburg. And Harrisburg... Oh, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. No, I'm talking Pittsburgh. No, well, the mayor of Harrisburg lost his bid for re-election, Eric Pappenfuss, to a black woman, Wanda Williams, who's head of the city council. There's two examples, and she's a double because she's a woman and she's black. So there's two examples where people of color have beaten white people in major elections, not even minor elections. I'm mixing up my padutos and my papadouses. I wonder why you were. (laughs) Okay. We should be happy about this. We are happy. Joy and elation about that. Well, and Peduto had some dilemmas, too. He had some baggage. I forget what it was, but, you know, yeah. some sort of a crisis. Did Well, he got caught up in some 
problems right. with his business, the bookstore. So that it wasn't anyway. necessarily a level but playing still, field. You know, right, I, I, I know that two women lost to Judge Kevin Brobson, uh, who ran a you know, mm. Republican ballot for the state Supreme Court. I was on the investigative panel that looked into Judge Brobson, and never in the 20-some years I've been doing investigations of judicial candidates have I found a guy so universally respected and admired as Kevin Brobson. So in that case... I wrote case, him in on the Democrat. Well, he, he is, he's an incredible guy, an incredible yes. candidate. I think he'll make a wonderful Supreme Court justice. Yes, he will. But, yes, you know, he will. He'll be exceptional. And I'm glad that, you know, apparently everybody realized that, or the majority of Republicans realized that. I don't, and, I'm you know, I, I think he'll do a great job. And I don't care what whether he's a man or a woman or white or black. I care whether or not they're capable of doing the job. In his case, he is. All right. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. Today, well, we got to go. We got to go on that issue <laughs> instead of their qualifications. Yeah. Thank All right. You, thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. Yeah, I didn't detect, even though, of course, we've had this year of uh, tumult and race. The ballot seemed uh, to have the normal number of minorities in it, without a significant number of additional black or white candidates, and no significant changes in the outcomes. But as we're pointing out, two people of color have won elections. I got to talk about something very important here. This is just a very I quick. Sunbury Motors. Well, it is. It's a really quick overview of what the Sunbury Motor Company is up to. A lot of folks are saying, well, Mark, you keep talking about that fancy truck that you ordered. What else do they do? Well, they got the Kia Telluride. Now, I have never been in one. I have. I'm not going to drive one because it's going to belong to somebody else, but they have some. And I'll tell you what, it is one of the top vehicles in Consumer Reports, and it's just one of the many vehicles that Kia makes that just has the highest owner loyalty. They last forever. They got a Fabulous trade-in value. It's one of the best vehicles you can buy. Of course, you can switch to the Hyundai if you so choose over in Sunbury, and they got a fabulous selection of those. And, of course, the Fords are available at the Sunbury Motor Company. And so if you need a vehicle, doesn't matter what your transportation is, they can need is, they can fill it at the Sunbury Motor Company. They are also a premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks, meaning no matter what vehicle you have, and whether you need a new vehicle or not, you got to make sure that you know that they can fix it at the Sunbury Motor Company. Yeah, they also have a master towing service, an alignment shop, a painting shop, as well as a body shop, and uh, of course, uh, they got the parts department there. And the quick lane open at 6.30 in the morning. How convenient is that? Super. So Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. That is uh, Rob Center, a fabulous producer, playing the guitar there. Listen. Oh, I didn't know Rob could do that. Oh, yeah, he's good. All right. He's really good. 
We're going to have to call him Fingers from now on. I learned to play guitar when I was about eight, nine years old. Yeah, it, sounded, it paid off. I uh, honestly haven't touched it in about 25 years, but <laughs> I learned how. No, All I haven't right. touched the trombone about that long. I'll bring it in. We'll start a band. <laughs> It'll be a bad one. A bad band. A bad All band. All right. Thank you, Rob. Uh, upper right-hand corner, Joe. All right. Uh, one of our emailers says, I wish Monroe Township number 2 would go to voting machines as long as they are not Dominion. Too many questions surrounding that company. Training in the operation of the machine should be offered during the day to those who come in to vote. I realize the machines are a big expense for the county, but people like me who aren't told to be sure to turn in the ballot over to the backside to answer questions would not miss a very important part of the election yesterday. There should have been a sign that was visible reminding voters to turn the ballot over to fully complete it. I know I was conversing with one of the poll workers prior to going into the booth, and she probably got sidetracked in telling me about it. I regret missing my vote on those important issues. Okay, that's the second person we've heard from that didn't vote on the questions because they forgot to flip over the ballot. But, I mean, it's not like people, and I don't want to offend our our good listener and emailer, but it's not like people didn't hear that there were questions. I might have asked, where are these questions if I didn't see them? Well, but I think some people kind of just go to the polls because they know that there's good candidates to vote for, they know that there's good questions there, but they don't keep a mental track of, of making sure they get to vote for you. Like, you know who all these judicial candidates are. You were looking for Mr. Robson. 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 B-R-O-B-S-O-N. Robson. I'm sorry. My hearing is shot, plus my mouth doesn't work, so between the two. All right. Anyway, so you were looking for that, and you were also trying to see how all the other judges made out. And, of course, you you and I argue about the referenda, so you make sure when you go to the polls, you're going to make sure they're there. But most people just go to the polls. They find what they know they're going to find. They know we've been talking about these things, but, you know, they know they wanted to vote on the judges' race locally. Well, we had paper ballots. I think they could have put it at the bottom over and an arrow over okay they would have told you to turn the page like those thumb things right yeah (laughs) or a pointer finger all right chris you're on the mark go right ahead yeah i thought biden would get more credit for giving your sponsor a boost (laughs) yeah he's did a great job you read his quote about the car there uh the lightning uh yeah it's a great story it's fabulous well it's a great electric truck fast (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, I'll have a new truck. I won't be in a Lightning for a while, but uh, someday. But, uh, yeah, first of all, about Joe's statistics, uh, I think you might want to check uh, maybe when those statements were made. I assume they were probably made during the, the second pandemic peak in uh, the winter. And uh, how, how uh, Pennsylvania and Texas compared from after the first peak. In the first peak, I think Pennsylvania got hit earlier when masks weren't even available to everybody. And uh, people didn't know how to uh, treat it as well. I think Texas was a wee bit later in their peak when uh, we'd learned some things. So that all affects the, that all affects it. But I think those, those quotes were probably about the second peak. And you might want to just compare those. They were from March. They were from March of this year. Uh, They were from March. I figured they were probably from January, because that's when I heard most complaints about Texas's. No, these were from March. Okay. So does that change your... You can compare the whole thing, but uh, you also have to do it. I do think their their peak was a little later than uh, Pennsylvania's because New York started the spread and it hit Pennsylvania before it got to Texas. But 
Well, the bottom line to me Whatever. is that I wouldn't. I would not throw as I've said on this program all along that you know even though I, I looking at for hindsight, Governor Wolf did things I wouldn't have done. I think his heart was in the right place. I believe Governor Abbott's heart was in the right place. I don't think any of our elected officials, our governors, were trying to harm people. Maybe they inadvertently did, but I don't even think Governor Cuomo in New York was trying to harm trying anybody. To. Right. I think they were they were making decisions on the fly for something they've never done before, and I'm willing to give people a wide berth on that, including President then Trump. Well, <laughs> I think his treatment of the civil service uh, was a bit... Uh, <laughs> he got 300 people there infected, mainly because of his refusal to wear masks in the White House, not to mention a lot of people in his own party. Well, he paid the price for it. He got the disease. Yeah. And spread it. And, yeah, and spread it. So, but in any case, uh, and that was that was pretty predictable there. Now, uh, they, Texas also has uh, warmer weather on the whole, despite their, their uh, hard, harder than normal January. Well, that's what I was and trying to point out to Joe. He, placate things a bit. Joe really can think. things outside in the open air. Joe really thinks the only thing that there is to compare is just death toll. And I, I really think it's complex. <laughs> Look at Florida. Subtle. Look at Florida. How much time could about Iran? spend outside? Uh, I, uh, oh, no. There's been some uh, me here, mellowing Jeff. of some of the Shiite Sunni stuff, but for the most part, uh, Iran is Shia, and the uh, Gaza and West Bank Arabs are uh, are uh, Sunni. uh, Sunnis. And there isn't a lot of uh, love between them, necessarily. And there is uh, certainly Iran is not pro-Israel by any means, but there I don't know how strong their influence really is with Hezbollah. It's something, but not necessarily with Hamas. All right, thirty more seconds. Go ahead. Well, I don't know. I I just bring up the uh, even the Republicans in Arizona are at least in the. Major county there, where they're counting, have shown, have come out and say what a clown show is going on out there, and they're embarrassed by it. And that ought to that ought to tell these people who are around here who are still believing that that count means anything. Maybe they should uh, take the Republicans' word for it if they won't take the Democrats. You're talking Maricopa County. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate, Appreciate the your call. comments, as always. All right. Uh, ultra Speedy Dialer now, 1-800-795-9565. All right. Texts and emails. Joe, oh, All right, lower text right says, here. I live in Northumberland County. My mail-in ballot had a statement on the bottom indicating more information was on the back. And that's from Bill in the village of Dewart. And Dick says, as the Republicans control the state legislature, they would have been able to end the tw- uh, at, at the end of 21 days and the governor's emergency declaration and open the state to any level that they deemed okay to their liking. The governor after that time would have had his hands tied. It seems to me that if they wanted to, they could have opened the state entirely. Mask wearing, stores and restaurants open, the ball would be in their court. And that's what the people of the Commonwealth decided should have happened. 
Right, or that should be reviewed. So, uh, well, but it I, doesn't mean they would. I mean, I, I said I'm giving people a lot of wide berth. I don't think the legislature would deliberately vote to harm anybody, or, you know. But you're making imperfect decisions in an imperfect environment, you know, and so you're not going to make perfect decisions every single time. Yeah, but those decisions but, that you make yeah, should be subject to review. But in the past, their ability to set party aside and do the right thing for the entire state in a nonpartisan fashion. Whose ability are we talking about here? Republicans and Democrats in Harrisburg. Oh, we're talking about the entire legislature, not just one party. And the governor. I mean, they place party first. That's why I have no faith in them. But I think one of the points we came out yesterday that might be a little bit more comforting is that Ten years from now, all of these leaders down there that are the worst of the worst will be gone, and that will be we'll have a new set. We'll have a, we'll new, have a governor. new set of the worst of the worst. Huh, pardon me. We'll have a new set of worst of the worst. Well, that could be. Um, you know, I think there's certainly some gubernatorial candidates. I don't know of anything on the horizon that's going to indicate that in ten years the quality of people running for higher office is going to improve. Well, There's especially no in mandate Harrisburg. for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Look who we're electing now. Jeez. Yeah. You know, right. we, we elected President Trump. Now, I just think that you know these are these are human beings. They're subject to mistakes. But the thing is that when any one person has the ability to make irrevo- irre- irrevocable decisions, that's bad. There should be With some an re- immutable situation. It is an immutable situation. <laughs> now that I told you the meaning of that word, no, thank you. But I mean, I, I believe that there should be some chance to review whether or not the governor mm-hmm. was doing the right thing. If the legislature turns it into politics, that's the, that's on them. But I don't think anybody should be making decisions that can't be overturned and can't be reviewed. Wow. Just my personal opinion. (laughs) Well, and as always, it's worth discussing, so we're glad that you participated in our discussion today. We'll do another one tomorrow. We have an opportunity to talk to a CBS reporter tomorrow morning, so we'll let you know who that will be. It'll be an important national or global topic, and we'd invite you to weigh in on the last day of Joe McGranahan's retirement-shortened week. You're listening to On the Mark on News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury. Time for the Dan Patrick Show, 10 o'clock.